This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Hello and welcome to Slate's Game of Thrones podcast, a TV club series that's just for Slate Plus members. I'm June Thomas and today I'm joined by longtime Slate writer Seth Stevenson. Hey Seth, how are you Hello, doing? Hello June, I'm doing well, how are you? I'm jolly good. And by theatre director and writer Isaac Butler. Hello Isaac. Hi June. All right. We have so much to talk about because season seven, episode five, Eastwatch had about as many revelations as like the entire first five series, I feel like. Yeah, they're moving really, really fast now. I I felt like this first episode of the season, they like nicely laid out this table with lots of, you know, nice silverware and a couple plates and everything. And then they smashed all of it over the last couple episodes. And so now they have to like lay out you know, a bunch more. They have to lay out some new cutlery. They have to yeah. put some new plates on that table. I, I feel like this was really all set up for the next two episodes, which right. will then somehow set up the next half season, which we'll get in 35 years. Exactly. And uh, By so, which time, Aria will be like 35. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It still look like 11. <laughs> like seven, and, exactly. and Brianne will be like, I'm the three-eyed raven. But <laughs> Like doing? five eyes by then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, you know, so, it was, so they had to reveal a lot and get through a lot to set up a lot. But I also yeah. felt like that gave it a feeling like a million things were happening but sort of nothing yeah. happened at the same yeah. time. I did for the first time ever on Game of Thrones I felt like I was watching a show like Scandal that just throws like a million crazy plot twists every episode and so they're they become meaningless because it's just like oh what now? And you right. don't even Brewing take it seriously. intrigue all yeah. over the map. Exactly. But, but I will say the the funniest one, if you're like a fan theory person, of, uh-huh. was the was the conversation between Sam and uh, Gilly, where yes. she has the book that actually is about to tell him, you know, who John Snow's parents are, and uh, that he's you know half Targaryen or whatever. And Sam's like, I don't have time for that. I'm Shut too- up. I hate my job. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I just I thought that was a very clever little uh, wink to those of us who are looking forward to. I'm guessing like in the last five minutes of the yes, finale of yes. this half season to that yes. being revealed definitively. All right. Well, let's begin with something that actually was my most disappointing moment, maybe certainly of this entire season thus far, which was, oh, Bron brings up heavily armored and gold handed Jamie from the depths of the river, but not just up on the side of the river, but like on the, on the bloody side, like miles away from where he fell in into a deep abyss. That's some serious bullshit. I mean, I don't mind dragons. I don't mind all kinds of like wildfire bullshit. But that was just nonsense. They're in like the, the heat of a battle raging. And then when they then they submerge and when they come back up, it's like a, a quiet contemplative glade. Exactly. Miles <laughs> away. You can't even see the smoke. You can't hear the ring of the battlefield. That was some nonsense. I think the idea is that quite a bit of time has passed, and you're I not mean, seeing them. What? You're not seeing no, them. He comes surface. up and spits out water. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. So so let me revise. Oh my that. god, you are such a fanboy that if you no, can no, no. make this work. No, no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make it work. What I was trying to get to was it that is. it doesn't work. But right. I think mm. they're trying to do this thing because they immediately cut to the battle being over. Yeah. you know, yep. and people already being lined up and everything like that. But people are fast traveling magically all <laughs> yeah, over they the globe sure are. in this episode. Like the amount the people travel in just this episode alone would have normally consumed an entire season of like Absolutely. logistical planning and Absolutely. in defense you know that what he Bron did point out was a river if that was like yeah, a tidal yeah. estuary it could have been there a full go. ebb with like an eight knot current or something sure. it could have just you know whipped them out of the scene just due to the ebbing flow of the, of, of the brackish my, water I, my i'm rolling my eyes because sure <laughs> it could have been but that was just some serious bullshit, yeah, that was bullshit. also like they made that the big cliffhanger and they're like oh there we go 
Yeah. Bugger off. Bugger off. I <laughs> he said. should have at least lost the hand. Yes. Right? Like yeah. the other hand? The the metal. No, no, no. The <laughs> I mean a solid How many gold. Hands hand. You want the guy to lose. I, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or, you know, there could have been evidence that Braun had cut him out of his armor. Right. You know, you could right. have done you know the there, yeah. there's no done. way he could have brought him back up from no. what appeared to be like, you know, forty foot deep <laughs> river. We yeah. like metal covered in heavy metal. Heavy, yes. heavy, heavy metal. With a I mean a solid gold hand. Gold solid. is heavy, right? I mean, a solid gold hand, that's, that's it's worth its weight in gold. Well, also, if Bronn wanted to, yeah, if Bronn wanted to, you know, get his money's worth out of the Lannisters, just take his hand. <laughs> yeah, just exactly. Take his hand, mate. There you go. There's your payment. Meanwhile, while bullshit was happening on one side of the river, Danny was having a showdown with the survivors of the battle. And once again, she asked the survivors, the, the Lannister bannermen, to bend the knee. And they refuse, and Sam's brother and father full on just like, no, I'm not bending the knee, and they choose to be incinerated rather than just make a momentary alliance. That seemed insane to me. Actually, there was something kind of interesting to me about Sam's father, Lord Randall, Tarley, Randall, Randall Tarley. Yeah, Lord Lord Randall Tarley saying, you are not legitimate, and yeah. therefore you do not have the right to send me to the wall. And I thought that was an interesting thing because as you know, I'm, I'm big into this sort of like questions of legitimacy and yeah. these, these kinds of fictions and, and what institutions denote legitimacy and everything like that. And he actually is legally completely correct. It's an invasion with no cause for it. There's no, the UN did not of sign off on it. Yeah, exactly. My, my running joke is that Danny has turned into the, the George W. Bush of the, the series and the Cersei is Saddam Hussein. And, yeah. you know, she, you know, but that it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just saying like, there's no actual legal justification. She is a foreign invader. She does not have the right to order him to do anything. And I, I actually thought like Lord Tarly uh, had a point that he made. It was weird that that character in particular, who seems to be just sort of a, not particularly complicated, nasty, craven piece of work was the one making that argument. Right. But I, uh, he, I was a little impressed that he went out like that. Yeah, and pour some out for Dickon, huh? Yeah. yeah. Well, she took an odd route to gathering support. Like here's yeah. this this woman. None of them uh, know her from from the Andals or right. All the first men. Anyway, she comes in this foreign woman this like weird paramilitary dictators outfit with this horrible weaponry comes in they they don't know what to think of her and her first act in order to gain their support is to be feared not loved it's to roast their brethren right in in the meantime she's talking about oh let's break our chains oh there's another wheel that's crushing us all let's unite and be together i'm just going to roast your friends <laughs> right it doesn't seem the, like the way i thought she wanted to be loved she she well, does not say there's a wheel crushing us all and here is my plan for single payer healthcare right she does not <laughs> like like her way out of the wheel is for her to be behind it right? like i just don't understand how she's going to get them out of this wheel i, I guess think, well the key phrase though that she said is i'm not here to put them in chains like that's her Bottom line, she is the chain breaker. If people don't want to, yes, with pressure, bend the knee, then she's not going to, you know, push them down. Yeah, but then what? Like you say, what is her vision for the future? Where, where does she want to bring Westeros? We, we know what she's against. What is she for? Yes. Yeah, exactly. And it's a strange ethic that's like, well, taking people prisoners, chains, slaves are also in chains. And therefore, through sort of a, a sim symbolism and analogy, these are equivalent. So I won't do that. So the ethically preferable thing is to burn unarmed <laughs> prisoners of war alive. You have to break some eggs and make a Westerosi omelet. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so we flash forward to King's Landing, where Cersei and Jamie 
are talking about like the end of great houses. Jamie obviously somehow knows about the Tarleys, even though he's on the other side of the river. I guess word flies, you know, ravens were flying over or something. And when we get to what's Cersei's point of view, and hers is we fight and die or we submit and die. I know my choices. A soldier should know his. Now, that's like very strong, but also again, like, okay, so I guess bottom line, die. I mean, it's not much of a, like a, on the one hand, on the other hand, right. both hands are die. Right. There's a sense of doom that's, yes. that's, it changes by the end of the episode, it does obviously. Indeed. Right, but there's right, a right. sense of doom that's settling over the House Lannister. I mean, House Lannister has, at least at the beginning of the episode, no heirs and no potential heirs. And also no legitimate claim to the throne no. anymore. Their claim Correct. to the throne was through the Baratheon line. The, that's all gone. That's all gone. She has no legitimate claim right. to rule Westeros. Except the, she's on the throne. The Tarleys, Tarleys are gone. The Boltons are gone. Tyrells are gone. The Tyrells are gone. I mean, Walder, the Freys are right. gone. I mean, you know, Jamie has a point that basically like the aristocracy of this land is being wiped out by this war. And there is this sense of doom that is setting over. I don't know that we're supposed to think that Cersei's plan of like, well, let's go out swinging and murdering as many people as possible. It's really like a constructive way. Yeah, going to, down with us. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, and then her ultimate argument to Jamie, though, is, oh, and by the way, I'm pregs. Yeah. Right. And that's yeah. what melts him. Like, she's not yeah. winning the argument until she's like, oh, but also I'm pregs. And then he suddenly he lights up and now he'll do whatever she wants. Do we think there's really a baby in there? I do think there's a bun in the oven. Right now, she's so not a liar. She's so into like crazy truth telling Mm -hmm. and telling the world that not only is she preg, but that it's Jamie's bun. She's gone full Bullworth. Right. Just a truth teller. (laughs) She's going to be rapping at her next session at the, uh, her next session in front of the throne. She's going to be rapping about, you know, all the social problems. I wouldn't put it past her to lie to Jamie and just be (laughs) like, oh, there's a baby in here. You better do what I say. And then, oh, no, actually. But she could, she she could just like whip out the pleasures of the flesh. That always seems to win him over. She doesn't really need the bun. Can I break for an an uncomfortable genetic question? They're rolling the dice again with full on (laughs) incestuous offspring yes. at a certain point is there not a risk that one of these comes out a little a little wrong Isn't that- well you know the first four were really you know pretty cute and i mean it, looking kids yeah. it took generations of inbreeding to get the mad king right like the targaryens had to interbreed for like hundreds of years before they got the mad king so maybe they're just hoping that it's like a very very recessive Kick the, little, little, the kick the can kick down the, the road. Kick the can down the road. Kick the can down the road. I mean, and I don't know much about nature, but do lions have incestuous couples? Interesting. I don't know. Because they are lions, as we know. But before we get too far away from potentially incestuous relationships, we do then have a moment with Drogon and Jon Snow. I'm not suggesting that Drogon is a sibling of Jon Snow's. However, obviously there's something going on there. But I have to make my point ready to be, wow. Drogon's skin, which Jon Snow was petting, looks awfully like grayscale. I think maybe Sejora Mormont, who survived grayscale, might end up riding that third dragon. Interesting. Did I just blow your mind? Are you just like, that's just dumb? I'm just, I'm trying to make sense of that. <laughs> I'm trying to fit it into my worldview. Yeah, and right. It's, everything's changing and expanding. I'm having an experience that unfolds. Are you warging right now? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Sir Jorah Mormont, was, does Grayscale turn you into a dragon? Is that I don't know. I just, like, he <laughs> no, survived. No, it turns you into a scaly zombie. <laughs> it turns <laughs> yeah, you into a stone man. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. But he survived. He's like a lone survivor. He looks like a dragon. He looked. 
he has empathy for the scaled. Yeah. And yeah, thus he yeah. has a communion with them. All you need is for the dragon to light you and let you on his back. That's all you really need. But isn't the idea, wasn't the hint there that the dragon responded favorably to John is that he's got Targaryen yeah, blood. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yes. That was the that was the message. But that was so clear, Seth, that I didn't even bother to oh, mention sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I, I forgot. You've just moved three steps ahead. I'm three I'm steps ahead, yeah. June, there's this basic point that we need to- <laughs> I just want to say yeah. how far we've come. Because a few years ago, and you're like, by the way, Jon Snow might be a Targaryen. Someone yeah. would be like, what? <laughs> and now you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's yeah. Totes a Targaryen. Totes Targ. <laughs> totes Targ. <laughs> yeah. He's Ragger's son, as Gilly might put it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, okay. So, you know, Jon's moment with the dragon. Did, were you really moved by it to me? That was like, oh. I was wondering. I wrote, are you happy right now, June, in my notes? Oh. Because I know that oh. you love the dragons. They're I like do. a key feature. Yeah. And here you have the dragon and Kit Harrington having a little moment. And uh, yeah. I was wondering if... You've been pleased by how they've used the dragons this season because um, you wanted them to use them more. I do. I'm glad that they've spent the money on the special effects so we can see them flying. We can see them close up. Like, yes, Drogon, for one, is a super impressive creature. He's still alive, which is, you know, more to the point. I wasn't that moved by John. I mean, it was, you know, was one of the necessary and unsurprising bits of uh, storytelling that we needed to happen. But Do you find more beautiful the dragon's side-closing eyelid or Kit Harrington's Giant puppy eyes, which are which Drogon are gone all the way. <laughs> <laughs> One's alive, the other's back from the dead. I, I, and that's another thing. I know I'm going out of order, but I'm very confused by what John can do because I thought that like the dead couldn't go behind the wall. So I suppose like. John's not dead because he came back to life, but we know that he really has died. He has been well, dead for a considerable I, amount of time. Right. Well, you can't cross back. I don't know oh. that he can cross. So I think my guess is is that one of a few things may have happened. They may have just abandoned that and mm-hmm. hope that we forget about it, right? Mm-hmm. Or it may be that we are going to discover tragically that John actually can't get back across to go south until mm-hmm. the wall falls. But mm-hmm. I also believe that the wall is going to fall. Like right. the show... The final season will have no urgency if the wall is just like, well, the wall's still there unless the White Walkers figure out how to get on boats. Because it seems to me you could just sail around the edge of the wall. It's right. right? It's not like a or swim or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Well, dead. The dead don't like water. I don't know. But the uh, but I think it is one of two ways that could go. And it could well be that, you know, he's alive. So it means he's not dead or something. You know, I guess it's a. One or the other kind of world. Yeah. Why is he so coy with Danny about the fact that he died and came back to life? Why not just lay it out on the table? Right? Why not just tell her, hell yeah. You hell yeah, you, I died and came back to life. You think if you wanted to impress a girl, yeah, that's exactly. something that you would bring up, right? Exactly. He's I like, mean, I'm not going to bend the knee to you, and then I'll tell you why. It's because I died and came back to life. Because I beat death. <laughs> I don't even bend the knee to death, girl. No, exactly. By the way, and just can we go back? Yeah. You know, Danny's like, oh, you. everyone must bend the knee to me, except... Yeah. For John's. Well, no. he's dreamy. If you're dreamy, you she's get a, like a little probation period. She's sweet on him. She's got a soft spot in her heart for him. For her nephew? So nephew. Yeah. 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 And so she's not going to Dracaris him. Dracaris. Yeah. Isn't uh, Dracaris the name of a cologne? Yes. By the way? I think so. Or am I making Isn't no, that Dracar Noir? Close enough. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be better if she said they should do Dracar Noir. <laughs> yeah. suddenly the Dracar. But only the black dragon. <laughs> only the black dragon does Dracar Noir. <laughs> then there's Dracar Blue. And then you're you're dead and immolated, but you smell great. Right. Yeah, oh, you great. smell like a seventh grader going to Sadie Hawkins well, dance. Because we have heard that like, you know, her dad, the smell of the like the burning flesh when he was having a, a mad session just burning people alive. Like that was the big problem. It wasn't just the injustice. It was also the smell of 
burning flesh. Yeah. I, I will say the best thing about that scene between Danny and John is when Danny's like, aren't they beautiful or whatever? And he's like, no, they're like disgusting flying monsters. And then she just gets this look where she's so wounded. She's, like, that she's just like, I can't believe you insulted my baby. Yeah, her children. Yeah. Now, okay, speaking of which, now I got a text last night, somebody saying, why don't Drogon and his siblings, I forget their names right now, why, why aren't they fucking and having babies? Because as we know, yes, they're siblings, but we don't really know what eggs they came out of you know they're lizards why aren't they fucking and making more dragons well, do we know their sex assigned at birth i mean i'm not even going to oh, get into no, the, i the don't choice know. of gender no, or whether right. they're cis or whatever yeah but, but are do we even know they're sexually uh, assigned yeah or, they're, yeah i don't know they're they, it, were they pink or blue when they came out of the egg i don't know <laughs> i'm sure there's someone who can correct me on this yeah. and I, I i will get an answer for this but i'm i thought they were all male oh. i thought it was three boys oh, okay okay should, i mean when that would be an explanation then. if you look up and just take uh. a peek between their <laughs> hind legs you right. should be able to clarify but i am not a dragon anatomy yeah. expert. yeah so dragon sexing is such a difficult thing okay so if they were all boys then yeah that would not as I understand it, make more dragons. Yeah. Okay, so they could still be fucking, but no dragons coming. All right. All right, now, so back to the Citadel. Well, first, let's just say that Sejora and Danny actually have more, even more of a, like, soppy hug than Danny and John have had. Like, it seems like, I know Danny, she doesn't want to do it with Sejora, but, like, she really likes that guy, right? Father figure, I think. Father figure, you think? Sure. Not a crazy king who's father figure? Well, his devotion to her is devotion. unquestionable. It is, it is. And moving. I mean, well, she really didn't think he was actually going to come back. Right. You know, when she sends him on that quest to find the cure for Grayscale. So mm-hmm. I think she's genuinely moved that he has survived so much over and over and over again to protect her and be by her side. You know, following up on some of our complaints about Jim Broadbent over at the Citadel, she did not go like, Oh, you've cured uh, Grayscale. Let's start a peer-reviewed human trial on this. <laughs> exactly. Let's let's gather some panels and open some clinics. I mean, if like again, if Danny's mission is to like the greatest good for the greatest number and to like bring health and happiness to Westeros, that would obviously be like the Gates Foundation theory. That would be the obvious way. Right. That is the mosquito nets of Westeros. It's just to cure Grayscale wherever it lives and eradicate it from the realm. And no, it's just no interest at all. She's like, oh, cool. You're you're healthy. Great. Go catch me a white okay there's a recipe for a long life so bran most boring man in westeros if it was a prize for that he would win it every week he wargs three-eyed raven sees the army of the dead the night king and i guess he sends up raven hither and thither and in the citadel they get the raven and they kind of smirk at it which makes sam mad as hell but i've got a you know a slaty kind of view of like they were right. The Meisters are a bunch of old men who are annoying, but I think they were right to be cautious. You know, you look at the evidence, you read all the stories, and one tale about an army of the dead marching, you know, you take the word of some guy who says that he's a three-eyed raven. I think as much as I know, because I've seen more than they've seen, that they're wrong to take that attitude, I actually don't think it's a crazy way to respond to this bizarre raven. Junior, your caution and moderation disturb me. You're standing athwart progress and yelling stop. I would be Ebros in another life, yes. I mean, what do you think? 
I don't know. I feel like Jim Broadbent has the sort of moderate thing of like, well, some say that there's yes. an army of the dead marching and some say this could be all made up. So uh, we're going to go get more information, which, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, the, the very reasonable person to me uh, has some sympathy with his position. The, right. the other laughing maesters around the yeah. table can go Dicks. right to heck. Yeah. But I have some sympathy for his position at the same time. Maybe they just need like an inconvenient truth style, yeah. you know, like documentary presentation where someone right. can explain why the White Walkers are real, which I guess is what they're sort of planning to do, right? They're going to go up there yeah. and they're going to get proof and then finally everyone can coalesce around this plan. But even if they lay one of them on the table in front of Jim Broadbent, don't you feel he's going to be like, oh, very interesting, but uh, this is just one. This could be an anomalous occurrence. Like, what? Do we, I can't really draw anything from this. You know, I, yeah. let's just, you know, stay the course. Right. He's sort of like the embodiment of the limits of empiricism and reason, right? That it's just like there will never be enough evidence to satisfy him because he has his own biases and worldview and he wants to be around there with the books with all the chains on them enough of elite expertise isaac yeah exactly it's bi-coastal elitism yeah, exactly. yeah 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 but sam could put together a powerpoint as you say he could do an inconvenient truth kind of thing but no as we've seen later after the redonkulous revelation of gilly you know finding the big blockbuster note in the among the boring details Sam cracks. He's not going to put up with this nonsense from the other Meisters. And he just, he leaves his dream of becoming a Meister and just like sets off to, we don't really know what, I don't know where he's planning to go or who he's planning to. He's got to be going back north, right? I mean, where else is he going to go? He's going to get killed if he goes anywhere else. Where's he going in the north though? Like to. Back to Winterfell? I don't know. To the. To East Cheap? East (laughs) East Watch by the Sea? By the Sea. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hope he knows where he's going because he's got a. Small child and a, a very strong and capable woman with him, but he's still Sam Tarly. Yeah, and ignorant, by the way, of his father and brother's death. Jim Indeed. Broadbent again. Yeah, yeah. Making a, again, making a play for worst person in Westeros, not informing Samwell that his, his Dickon's dead. Now, would he, since he's taken the black, I guess he wouldn't ever be the lawyer. Yeah, he's renounced his titles. But with his dad and older brother dead, you know, his mom does, if he knew that, he would probably go back home because his, his mom, uh, was always nice to him. Yeah. What happened to the sword he had? <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's still, that was like a MacGuffin that I, I just <laughs> still remembered. Still in play. Still yeah. in play, I guess. Also, what happened to the, all the dragon glass they were mining and dragon yes, stones? They put it, wait, isn't there a shot where you see them putting it on oh, the boat? Because some, someone, on, someone on Twitter was complaining about this. And I thought there's a shot where you see them like touching a box and putting it on the boat. And you hear like tinkle, tinkle of like glass. <laughs> you know, there's like someone doing doing foley work with like their keys by a microphone. <laughs> Is that enough dragon glass well, to no, take I, out I, an entire army of White Walkers? I think the implication is the ship has a a lot of it. Well, they've been ferrying out with that dinghy that they've been bringing in. Yeah, I think that's the, the that's, I mean, you know, I'm charitable of figuring, apparently June thinks I'm too charitable of figuring out these sorts of things, but I do think there was a shot where they implied it. Well, and when the, you know, the, the Magnificent Seven or whatever left the, the gates, you know, and they, and they went off beyond the wall, there were men behind them, faceless men who were dragging stuff. Uh, and yes, it might have been their hardtack, but it probably was a ton of dragon glass. But I feel like we could have had a little bit more scene setting with how do exactly you mine dragon glass? Like what kind of explosive is required and does it hurt? Or is the it just, glass? well, you hear a lot of, I mean, when they, you hear a lot of like the pick noise, you hear a lot of the like ding, ding, ding of the hammer against the pick when they go towards the cave. Oh my goodness. Wow. Details. Well, so back to Winterfell, Bannermen are restless again about, where's John? Where's he gone? Where's the king in the north? And Sansa just tells him, he's with you. You know, he's doing his best for the north. But they're still kind of mumbling and grumbling. And Arya's not 
she's getting a bit discontent with Sansa's attitude. But aren't they mumbling and grumbling as we later find out because Littlefinger is putting them up to it? I mean, that's that's the clear implication of her following him around and seeing him talk to the people who've been mumbling and grumbling in the in the previous scene is that yeah. he's fomenting some unrest. I mean, they're saying exactly the same things that they've said before, the same actors, you know, repeating lines from before. But yeah, Littlefinger definitely is sowing discord. Exactly. Well, his fighting to conquer his plan, as far as I can understand it, right, because he wants to be king and he wants so he wants to marry Sansa and have her be queen. Right. I mean, that seems pretty clearly what his plan is. But what's weird is that. Everyone else seems to know that that's his plan. Like they're all very yeah. like Sansa knows very clearly what he's up to and yet seems completely unwilling to act again. I, well, I guess they need his army or whatever, but it, it's just weird that there's all this intrigue. But like, what is Littlefinger's plan? But everyone knows what his plan is. He's very yeah. actually kind of open about it. No, yeah. That enigmatic half smile. You know, you don't think that conceals what he's well, up to? Well, yeah. And then he has the the issue with the note where she yeah. pledged her fealty to Joffrey, which she had signed. Another thing that from season one. Two that yeah. that has come back up that he's keeping a secret under his bed. I mean, given that everybody else knows except Arya that that was fake, why doesn't Sans just said, "Listen, Littlefinger, he's manipulated. Also, I was forced to write that note. It right. wasn't something that I felt in my heart, and everybody else knows that. Just tell Arya too. Read her in." Almost instantly, this discord between Arya and Sansa started up in the absence of Littlefinger's machinations. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Ar- yeah. there's just resentment there that yeah. goes back to childhood. Yeah. Yeah. They're two different kinds of people, yeah. and, they, and they're and they never going to be on the same page. But here, here's my question about Arya, though. Ask it. Arya can transform herself into Walder Fry. Right. Why, when she's doing like a spy mission, following Littlefinger around, does she just make herself Arya Stark? Why not turn herself into some random Winterfell resident who right. nobody knows about? And then, you know, she could conceal her actions. Why not use that power? You know, when you're a shapeshifter, Seth, you have a different point of view. I mean, I don't. you wouldn't understand. It's, guess, you know, I guess you're right. It's shapeshifter I, stuff. I like the idea that Arya is now this sort of semi-infallible person who, who can defeat anything that comes her way. And, and now she's being kind of easily tricked. Right. By except a, a dumb thing. idea via just a piece of shit manipulator. Yeah. I don't I didn't like that. I, I didn't like Arya being defeatable. Yeah. No. Uh, there were two things that I did like. One, Littlefinger had no lines in this week's episode. <laughs> uh, just two, enigmatic half smile. Yeah, just enigmatic half smile. That's all I want from him. And two, I actually think those two two being antagonists is very clever. I think those are two nicely matched antagonists. Littlefinger's probably smarter than Arya, but Arya is sneakier and murderer <laughs> And I just think that's a good pairing. If Arya is going to have to match wits with someone and sneak around against someone, it should be someone like Littlefinger. All right. So back to the just redonkulous amount of action. Sir Davos sneaks Tyrion to Winterfell so that he can have a parley with his big bro. To King's Landing, yeah. Sorry, King's Landing. I tell you, I cannot They, they go places. back and forth to King's Landing like it's yeah. like the snap <laughs> no of big a finger. It's <laughs> no big thing. And Tyrion does indeed have a, a chat with his brother, Jamie, And it's not exactly warm, but, you know, now at least Jamie knows that Tyrion didn't kill his son. And, you know, it feels like they're kind of listening to each other at least and and hearing each other i loved Tyrion's like anguished you know i had to kill our father thing because i love that you know he's there for like a very specific mission and and dinklage is so great in that scene you know he has such a wellspring of deep 
lifelong pain and resentment. And their their relationship, actually, the Jamie Tyrion relationship, one of the most complicated in the whole series. And so, you know, he's actually there to be like, can you broker this meeting? But he has to be like, by the way, I just have to tell you. Dad had it coming. Yeah, I, I know that it upset you, but I had to kill it. You know, like like he just can't help himself. He has to. He actually kind of needs Jamie's approval. Right. He's still Jamie's younger brother. That was actually probably my favorite single moment in the whole yeah. episode. Well, and and I'm curious what you make of this, Isaac, because I always have an issue when actors have to say something and they're directed to do something, and it's something that pertains to them too as people. And yes, they're acting and they're saying lines that somebody said to them, but sometimes they're things that apply to them. So when Tyrion says, you know, he didn't hate me because of anything I did, he hated me for what I was. And did he think I wanted to be born this way? And you know. Yeah, that's always a difficult. I mean, the other example that leaps to my mind is that in Othello, Othello is constantly talking about how ugly he is because right. he is black. Right? right. He brings it up all yeah. the time. And there are yeah. actors who refuse to play the role because yeah. of stuff like that. I mean, it makes it all the more it, affecting. Yeah, absolutely. I think that most actors who have to do that sort yeah. of thing would tell you this is about that character's self-hatred. Yeah. Yeah. I am not that character. I don't agree with that that perspective. Yeah. Uh, in the books, Tyrion actually like isn't just a, a little person. He like looks like a monster. I mean, yeah, he's like yeah, his yeah. eyes are different colors. Yeah, his yeah. face is weirdly shaped. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's, he's actually kind of monstrous right. as opposed to Peter Dinklage, very handsome. He's actually unbelievably handsome man. and charismatic. Yeah. Right. And so, so I think that obviously since he's everyone's favorite character, we're yeah, supposed yeah. to read that as Tyrion's own self-hatred as yeah. opposed to something that, that the actor or the writers even are signing off on and agreeing with. Right. Well, now that we have, you know, now we've opened this communication back channel at the Lannister embassy. Yes. You know, it does set the scene for Tyrion to turn Jamie against Cersei. Do we think Jamie has it in him to turn against Cersei? Well, it depends whether that bun in the oven is for real. Not his child. That but, is her trump card. Right. But if she isn't and he finds out that she was fooling and, and he believes it rather than, no, you know, she lost the baby, whatever, then I think he could. But there's been too many opportunities for him to break with her to realize that she is unreasonable and maybe monstrous and he's never he never has. He's he's sprung for her. I think the note that scene ends on, though, where as Which she's scene? hugging him, oh, that scene so, between yeah. him, yeah. as she's hugging him, she says something like, don't ever betray me again. And the camera lingers on his face where he's like, this is not a healthy relationship. You just see his internal monologue being like, I'm too handsome to be in a relationship this unhealthy. And so I think that there is some chance. I agree with both of you, though, that while the bun is in the oven, if the bun is real, and that's not what that weird scene with Kyburn was about, was about like putting a zombie shadow monster bun in the (laughs) oven or whatever. She's she's got him wrapped around her finger. Yeah, that Kyburn was a little worrisome. Okay, so just a quick side note, even though it becomes like a major thing, but... Gendry's back in the picture. Yeah. Which, yes, Robert Baratheon's son, the wielder of a really massive hammer. And also, just like dad. dad. And I've always hoped Arya's, you know, happy ever after. Oh, are you shipping that? I've I've always been shipping that, even when he was still rowing. Yeah. For Garia? (laughs) Yeah. Garia. (laughs) (laughs) Gendia. And like, he didn't really have much to do except like join the merry band, right? I mean, it was just like, hey, how you doing, Gendry? Nice to see you again. 
It was a little strange to reintroduce him, but yeah. I, and the more Sir Davos, the better, in yeah, my opinion. exactly. He's Honestly, Sir Davos for king of the realm, because Sir Davos, wise, as he says, lived to a ripe old age in a place where it's not, you know, that's yeah. an accomplishment, not yeah. easy to do. Yeah. And he, he's a wise fellow. He's a fellow of moderation, which should appeal to you, June. Absolutely. Since you're a moderate I know, I'm, person I'm shipping the Meisters, moderation. Yeah. 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 And, and he's got a sense of humor about things. He comes up from flea bottom, Always. you know, so he's, he knows where yep. he comes from. Absolutely. He's, he's in touch with the little man, mm-hmm. with the Westerosi working class, Absolutely. I guess. Absolutely. So that guy, yeah. more of him the better. So I, the, I forgive the somewhat strange reentry of, of gender into our lives just because it means more Sir Davos. Absolutely. I, I also feel like if you actually wanted to make a play for the throne of the Seven Kingdoms, you would marry Sansa and Gendry off. They probably have the between the two of them the closest thing to a legitimate claim to yep. rulership, and you just march south. Oh, and look what you're shipping for. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm saying I'm politically shipping for Whoa. it. I'm not saying that I think for Gansa. For Gansa, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> But uh, I was also happy to have him back. You know, that actor is actually quite charming. And, yeah. you know, I enjoyed it when he finally uh, hammered those two guys. You're like that. Oof, who doesn't like, love che- a good Chekhov's, Chekhov's war hammer. <laughs> good face hammering. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Who doesn't love a good face hammering? And <laughs> and uh, uh, I'm happy to have him back. It's, yeah. it, this is, you know, this season's all about weird reunions and then strange, very strange alliances, which I have a feeling brings us to our... Uh, we're going to get a white so that Tyrion can convince oh. Jamie to do this thing with Cersei. And then they're all going to come together at like a conference center somewhere yeah. where there will probably be like a nice spread. And then they're going to like look at the white. They're going to talk about white policy and yeah. they'll write a white paper. And sure. then some of them will march north. Like This is like a video game side quest, isn't it? This is like a quest within the quest. Go get some like, cookies. Yeah. You go retrieve this item and bring it back. And then leave. when you do that, can we move on with the real story? Right. Then you get to date your dream daddy after yeah. you've done all of that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we—that's really what's going on. We got the the bullshit with Sam heading out, leaving the Citadel. We got the bullshit with Littlefinger and Arya, like fooling Arya, and then we're at Eastwatch, and the Magnificent Seven are going through the wall. Is that, are there seven of them? I don't are know, there? but there's certainly. You know, or is it a dirty dozen? Is yeah, it a dirty or, or dozen? It, a... It's just a band of mis- mismatched toys or whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's just like a bunch of guys who kind of <laughs> hate each other and have some skills between them. But aren't it, you really looking forward to the Hound and Tormund talking a lot? Like I'm just being like, like this. oh, I'm so gruff and I have half a face. And the other one says like, oh, I'm gruff and I'm in love with a giant woman. <laughs> this is kind of it's like Saving Private White. Where, yeah, yeah, where, yeah, where exactly. like, you know, yes, a band of disparate, you know, diverse people come together on this mission. It is like a World War II. They movie. hate each other, but. They've got a, a mission that's so important they'll put that aside and go off into the snow. And how do you capture one of them? That's, uh, that seems we difficult. W- we will see next week. Uh, but before we end, we must ask... You're the worst shit in the Seven Kingdoms! There's plenty worse than me. Who was your worst person in Westeros, Seth Stevenson? Littlefinger. Just because? I just freaking hate that guy. And mm-hmm. I'm sick of it. And, and I love Arya. And I hate to see Arya manipulated. Yeah. I hate to see Arya ever under the thumb of someone else. And he's just pure evil. And, yeah. and, and he has no positive agenda. No, and as someone whose hair is like getting a bit gray on the sides, I'm like, please do something about that damned hair. Like, it's awful. I'm sick of him, and I'm sick of the performance. Yeah, the actor. I know, I know. And it's part. I, I admit that's creeping into my assessment here. Yeah, yeah. he's the worst person. Yeah, Isaac Butler. 
I wasn't here last week, but still, for the second week in a row, it's got to be Daenerys. Last week, she burnt one-seventh of the kingdom's <laughs> grain for no reason, and uh, now she's executing unarmed POWs. And I actually think the show drives that home by having Jon Snow and Tyrion, who are the closest thing the show has to a conscience, those two characters mm-hmm. being like, you did the wrong thing this week. So I'm going to say that she mitigates it a little bit by agreeing to this cockamamie scheme with the whites, but I think Daenerys is the the worst person. The invasion is illegal, and uh, everything she's doing while she's there is is bad so far. And do you remember when Ned Stark used to say, if you're going to ex- yeah. execute one, swing the sword yourself, right? Yep. This is yep. a big Jon Snow always talks about this. Does it count to have your dragons row someone or should she have walked up with like a dagger and slit their throats or something? I mean, she is the mother of dragons and she did sort of, she didn't say Dracarys, she said Dracarys. Calm, you know, she said it with, with like all judgment and, and measured and I think I'm going to sort of disagree with you both and say that the Tarleys were the worst people in Westeros. They made a very dumb decision. They ended their house when they didn't need to. And, you know, yes, you could say that it's an illegal invasion, but what is the body that decides what's legal and illegal? Danny. Point taken. And, you know, Danny tried. She gave him a choice. Then she had to follow through because that's just being a good parent. And they were moronic, you know, when they could have survived and their house could have had a further existence. And father and son stood there and just got roasted, knowing what was coming. Honor is bullshit if it just means the end of your entire family line. What a dick on. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. On that note, we must leave Game of Thrones for another week. We will be back next week to talk about the penultimate episode of the season, which traditionally is the one where... Everything happens, which on the basis of this week can only mean, you know, just 16 plot developments per minute. So I cannot wait to discuss. I don't know how more could happen. I know, right? I know. 16 dragons will fly. (laughs) All right. Thank you very much for listening. And thank you for being a member of Slate Plus. Plus.